Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball. Welcome to another episode of Big Time Baseball. I'm your host, Tony Gwynn Jr., alongside my partner, John Heyman. Baseball is in full swing, John, and uh, the teams, some of the teams we expected to play well out the gate are doing just that, Braves being on the top of that list. But uh, one team that seems to never fail to surprise us year in, year out, are the Tampa Bay Rays, and they are the remaining undefeated team in all of baseball. Uh, neither of us picked the Rays to do much of anything, but uh, <laughs> here we are once here they are once again leading leading yeah. away. Yeah, I mean, you're asking me about the Rays. People ask me all the time, and I am a consistently 100% wrong. I've never had them in the playoffs. I look at their roster and I say, who's he? Who's he? I mean, I actually know who they are because I follow it, but I mean, they do not have a bunch of all stars on the team, and they manage to uh, do well every year. I will give this one caveat: their their opening schedule is Tigers, Nats, A's. So they're six and zero today. Point. Could be nine and zero tomorrow. Not tomorrow, but by the end of the weekend, uh, they are they are much better than I thought, as always. And I was dead wrong. So thanks for bringing that yeah, up no, right away, Tony. Appreciate that. That's not that's not just you, John. I think that's pretty okay. much everybody. I haven't seen Tampa at the top of anybody's list, but here they are. And the schedule is the caveat, right? They haven't played uh, teams that were expected to do really well this year. Nationals, A's are still coming up, um, but they are 6-0. and You got to tip your hat to that. The Braves are another team. Only one loss. They took down the Padres in a walk-off last night. Um, we expected that, though. This, this team yeah. is, is very, very talented, and they're not even 100% healthy yet. No, I mean, you're bringing up all my bad predictions. I actually had them in third, but I do have them as a playoff team. So to me, it didn't matter. Um, you know, uh, they're really good. They're a very young team. No reason to expect them to go backward. Uh, I just thought the Phillies and the Mets would go forward. That hasn't happened yet. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're really good. They know what they're doing. Uh, Arcia has come in there at shortstop. He's a veteran. You, you think you know what you're going to get from him. Certainly not going to be Dansby Swanson, but he's been pretty good. So, uh, again, I'm tipping my cap to a lot of people today, so I'll tip my cap to them. I'm glad you brought up Arcia because he, he he's an interesting case, right? They make the trade for him uh, a few years back uh, with the Brewers. At one point, he was in AAA with that team, and now he's their starting shortstop after they let Dansby Swanson uh, walk away. This can't. This couldn't be part of the plan for for him to be their guy, right? No, I mean I think they all. We all thought it was going to be Vaughn Grissom last year. He was really good right. all around the diamond. Certainly a very very good hitter, a great athlete. I, I mean I think, you know, you go back a year ago or a year and a half ago, you, you're not expecting Vaughn Grissom to be a starting shortstop. But after the year that he had, I think we were all expecting him to win that job. I mean, one of the most shocking things I saw was a multi-year deal for Orlando Garcia. You do not right. see a guy who's considered a quote-unquote journeyman getting a multi-year deal in the middle of his uh, career. So hats off to him. Uh, good job by him. And, uh, hey, the Braves know what they're doing. They give multi-year deals to a lot of people, but we did not expect one for Orlando Garcia. I, I tell you what, either – the Braves know something that we don't or they are the luckiest organization on the planet because they have been able to have guys in their organization that they brought up, not counting Arcia, but the likes of Acuna, the likes of Albies that have been willing to take less than what their value is on the open market. 
that doesn't happen very often where teams get those type of guys, but they've been, they've been blessed with like two or three of these guys. And they're like key pieces. Yeah. I mean, I think Riley got a good deal. He got over $200 million yeah, at this stage. I get that. I get that. We're never going to really get the whole Acuna and Albies deals uh, at all. And, you know, give Alex Anthopoulos credit to, for getting them signed up so quickly. Absolutely. I mean, it was clear that Acuna was going to be a star at that point. Um, you know, he was one of those guys, and this is a little bit of inside baseball now, who took one of those loan deals, you know, as a growing up, not a wealthy guy, wanted the money early, gave a percentage. Uh, and, you know, I think apparently uh, he ran out of the money and had to sign the deal. Um, I'm not sure what happened there, but that deal to me, I mean, people really criticized the Albies deal uh, from the player perspective, but it was the Acuna deal to me that made no sense because. He's a potential superstar, and I, th- I think he will be a superstar. Last year, obviously, took a little bit step back with the injury, but, um, you know, that deal was, you know, maybe like $100 million under. You, you can't say that about too many deals, but Bra- the Braves do a great job with the negotiation, and, and they, I mean, they set themselves up great. Uh, the predecessor, John Copalella, did a fantastic job. Yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, and then he was banned from baseball. They let him back in, which I'm happy to see, but uh, obviously – Cut a few corners, but he did do a good job while he was there too. Outside of uh, putting Acuna's deal aside, I think it's a, it's an p- important point that you bring up. Ultimately, it boils down to the player and what they're comfortable with. Right. Obviously, Acuna and Albies were comfortable with the deals they got. They're happy. Ultimately, that's all that really matters when we're discussing uh, these type of situations. I want to. I want to go to the central. Uh, the NL Central, because at least to the start, it's been a little it's, it's been a little surprising. You see the Brewers at the top, which I don't know is like a crazy surprise, but seeing the Cardinals at the bottom, and there's 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 a little turmoil in St. Louis right Absolutely. now. Uh, yep. Oliver Marmol calls out Tyler O'Neill for not running the bases hard. Um, I, you know we don't see often managers call players out that publicly um i don't necessarily have a problem with what our oliver marmol did but there could be ramifications down the line in that locker room for this public call out right as a writer a journalist i i love it i i you know i i never complain about that i i cannot i mean i give oliver marmol credit for being giving his honest opinion was he right you know i i'm not there enough to know i i think tyler o'neill's explanation does seem to hold some water that he's been injured a lot with leg injuries over the last year or so. And he really wants to avoid that. And he's kind of working on a new gate to try to figure out how not to get hurt. And obviously did not run very fast and got thrown out. Now, was he, was he not hustling or was he working on his new gate? I I don't know. Uh, You know, it is something to see, you know, in the first week of the season, you know, this is not the cardinal way <laughs> for them right, to be right. publicly yelling at each other. Uh, you, you know about the public, the cardinal way, right? And this is not it. Yeah. And so it's it's good for uh, us publicly to see stuff that's honest and legitimate going on. But you know, I, I do expect them to work it out. But a rough start for the Cardinals. And yeah, I'm surprised about the Brewers too. Uh, I thought they had some holes. Certainly in that bullpen, which I think the bullpen is going to be big now with the pitch clock, bigger than it ever was. We shall see. It's obviously a long season, but I was just there in Milwaukee, and uh, they looked incredible. Being the Mets 
outscoring them 26 to six in the three game series. Um, two things can be true, right? Um, Tyler O'Neill has dealt with some leg injuries and has missed significant time. Um, so I, I, I understand where he's coming from when he's saying, listen, this game three, four, five, I'm trying to get through the end of this season and be available for my team. But on the flip side, I also understand where Oliver Marmel's coming from because I've seen Tyler O'Neill run. This is one of the quickest dudes in the league. I know his size may not say that, but I've seen this cat run. He is an unbelievable athlete. And so when I first saw the clip, before I saw any of the, the comments, I saw the clip first. And my first thought was, man, I thought he was faster than that. <laughs> and so then and so then later seeing the comments, it all kind of made sense to me. Um, I, I do think these guys will get it together to get on the same page. This isn't the card away. You know, most of these things co- go happen in-house. We very rarely hear about it happening out, uh, outside, but uh, Oliver Marmel decides to go a different route. He's the manager. We'll see um, where this all ends. Let's move to the NL East. Uh, the Mets, a little banged up. Uh, obviously, Verlander is on the uh, IL. Uh, they've had to, they've called up one of their top prospects. Talk, what, what can you tell us about where the Mets are right now? Yeah, rough start, three and four, and that doesn't even tell it. I mean, they've been outscored by quite a bit. They started in, in South Florida, which is basically a home games for them. Their fans were clearly on their side and did win three out of four, but they were outplayed, outclassed, and give the players credit. They basically said that the, uh, the Brewers outplayed us in every facet of the game, and they were absolutely right about that. I, I am a little concerned about the Mets. One thing I talked to Max Scherzer about was the – pitch clock which you know he looked like he could use to his advantage in some ways but I think being an older pitcher it's not going to be that easy conditioning Mm. is going to be an issue for these guys who are over 30 years old and have to throw pitches every 15 seconds and then of course the innings while their team is batting are shorter too because all the whole game has been speeded up and it was interesting to see that Scherzer was basically dominant for five innings in both starts Got lit up in the sixth, three straight home runs against the Brewers in the sixth. Carlos Carrasco, same thing. He was pretty good through four. Not great, but pretty good. Fifth inning, he walked the first two batters, and then he's out. Well, he's 36 years old. Mets are waiting on uh, Verlander, who's 40. Quintana, who's 34. I mean, Scherzer basically said, well, it's on me. I've got to figure it out. He's making no excuses, but it is an issue, and he admits it. I think it's a problem for these teams that have Pitching rotations where the average age is 34, 35, not going to be easy. Uh, listen, I, I've been on on the record saying I think conditioning is going to be an issue, not just for older pitchers, yeah. but for a lot of pitchers. It's it's a different ball game with the speed. And you bring up such a good point. In between innings or in during the downtime when your team is up, those innings aren't lasting as long. You don't have as much time to recuperate. And so – yeah, the conditioning and listen, it may not even rear its ugly head in April, but you get into June, July and those hot months where where the temperatures are hot, you're going to see a lot of dudes conditioning be challenged during this time uh during that time of year. I, it's it's fun, it's it's a little weird that it's happening for some of the veterans. Now, I think that has more to do with just April not quite being as sharp as they would like to. But there's no doubt conditioning is going to play a major role in this. 
we're, we're get, we'll have to see how how it affects some some of these other arms as they go down go go through the season. Now they called up uh, Francisco uh, Alvarez, number five prospect. Um, what, what are what are they expecting out of him? Well, they wanted him to be in the minor leagues to get uh, some seasoning, which he probably needs. Even if he's a number one prospect, he is not an experienced player, and it was right to send him down to the minors and get him all that time as a AAA player, mostly as a catcher. You know, and it's not going to be easy to come up there, and it's not an easy uh, rotation to catch. Um, you know, uh, I, I think their Mets are going to be out there looking for a catcher, a veteran guy, if they can find one. Uh, now to call up because, you know, I know the Met, the fans are going to be clamoring. Why isn't he playing? Well, you know what? Uh, defensively, he's not quite ready. And that's kind of the most important yeah. thing for a catcher. So Nito is going to be the primary catcher. I know the fans are going to have an outcry over that. Uh, but, you know, I think they'd like him in the minors. Uh, Alvarez, I'm speaking of, pl- catching every day. And this is really not optimal for the Mets. If they can find, you know, an Austin Romine or somebody like out, that out there, to catch, uh, along with Nito, that will probably suffice until uh, Narvaez, who had been, got off to a great start, comes back. I mean, listen, you are talking about a very specific position that, if out of all of the positions on the field, can't handle inexperience, it's that position there. Because especially with that veteran of a staff, uh, I, I can I can see Verlander and Scherzer losing their mind having to throw to a young, inexperienced catcher. No matter how talented he is, how talented he is, he's got to be able to to command a game. Forget the offensive side; that is where their bread is buttered. Is is on the pitching side. That is true. I I do think they could use some help offensively too. They've had a rotation at number yeah. five behind Alonzo. He's been a you know they have very good players a diverse lineup, a lot of speed. A lot of good hitters, but they don't really have a number five hitter bat behind Alonzo. I mean, you know, I mean, optimally, Alvarez could do it. You know, uh, he could be a big benefit offensively, even if he's a slight negative defensively. Let's stay in the NL East. The Phillies, one of the surprise teams in the worst way, right? One and five <laughs> to start the season. Uh, things just haven't gone well for them at all, although – there does seem to be some good news coming out of there. Bryce Harper took some live BP. Sounds like he may could uh, come back a little bit earlier than expected. Man, I, I just didn't see this start for, for the Phillies. I really didn't. Me neither. I mean, this is another one I'm not right on. I really love the Phillies. Uh, you know, I guess I was influenced by the WBC where one-third of the lineup were <laughs> Phillies, and that was an all-star lineup. I mean, to have Turner, Me too. Warber. Rio Mudo, and we know we had Harper coming back. I thought he'd be back in late May. People were telling – they were just saying first half. Uh, it's going to be probably earlier than late May at this point. The guy is a ball player, and give him credit. Uh, that lineup should be the best in baseball. They have a top two with uh, Nola and Wheeler that matches almost anyone. Ranger Suarez, once healthy, he's good. Uh, Taiwan Walker, solid. Uh, this should be an excellent team. You know, I don't know if it's a World Series hangover or whatever. They have not played well. I mean, not only they have a bad record, they have just have not played well. Yeah, no, they, they haven't played well at all. And uh, I, I was with you. I was fooled. I don't know if I was fooled by the WBC, but I certainly was uh, influenced by the yeah. WBC. I think they'll, I expect that they'll get it going in the right direction. Remember, Philly, they got off to a slow start last year and then found their way in the World Series. So 
Um, it's the early part of the season. We won't we won't get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, let's move to this next category. This popped up yesterday, and I think we could have all anticipated it happened. Maybe not in the minor leagues, but we certainly anticipated uh, some type of drama as it pertains to Fernando Tatis Jr. in his first start in Triple A. Uh, he hits a, a just a laser beam out to left. Um, the young pitcher who gave up to Homer uh, wasn't too thrilled about the tweets that were being sent his way. And I think in response to those tweets, he virtually called Fernando Tatis Jr. a cheater. Um, listen, John, I, 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 I've also been on the record saying this. This is something that I think Fernando is prepared to deal with, but he's certainly going to be dealing with it probably at an even higher level once he gets back to the big leagues, this is something we should expect all year long, especially on the road. Yeah, I mean, he knew it was coming. Certainly this was a very bad mistake that he made, and he's got to pay for it. And uh, certainly being called a cheater, you know, that's par for the course. Consequence. I mean, he cheated. I mean, I don't know how else you can put it. I mean, I guess, you know, whatever, he can make up some story about what happened. But, uh, look, this is an incredible talent. He didn't need to do this. Didn't make any sense. Just a, a lack of maturity, and, you know, he's going to have to pay for it for a little while anyway. I mean, there are guys who get over it once they show that they've passed a bunch of tests and they're doing the same thing that they were doing before, or virtually the same thing. Uh, right. I think people will forget about it. But So he's got to just not worry about it for now and understand that he brought this on himself. I, I think he passed the first test. He didn't respond yeah. okay. to any of this. Uh, and I, when I say test, I'm talking about the test in terms of not responding, not getting caught up in the minutia. I think he recognizes this is part of it. Um, on the flip side, you know, you give up a home run. And, and the, the unfortunate part of this, John, is that every pitcher that gives up a home run, and I've, I've seen this. I've been in the league with guys who have either been, you know, allegedly have cheated or have been caught cheating. And every pitcher that I've ever come across that's given up a homer or a hit to them, <laughs> that is gonna that is going to be something that crosses their mind. And that's the unfortunate part, right? They'll think everything that happens for the rest of his career will be a part of it. Now, I think, you know, if the tests say otherwise, I think most of us will will, will be able to kind of decipher it ourselves. But this is this is the consequence uh, of, of getting caught uh testing positive for for a performance enhancing. Absolutely. I don't blame the pitcher. I, I don't know who it was, but I'm sure he didn't get a $341 million contract and really not too happy about the whole thing. Um, uh, one of the other uh, things that's going to be popping up, I think, especially early part of the season, is, is some of these pitch clock violations. Now, the thing, the theme that has seemed to, seemed to occur in the first week of the season which I like to call the Max Scherzer rule because he's the one that really brought it to the forefront in spring training. But pitchers are still going to try to get away with it. And if umpires aren't alert, they're going to get away with it, and it's going to cause some irritation on the offensive. And we saw Tim Anderson get ejected the other day. And his ejection really wasn't even for arguing balls and strikes. It was for yelling at the pitcher for not making eye contact. Seems like, John, there's, some, there's a, 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 a certain amount of time that there's going to be uh, kind of this feel-out situation, even as the regular season um, approaches and has come upon us. Yeah, I mean, Logan Webb, uh, you know, he fooled them, I guess. I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but, you know, that's the game that we have now, and the batters have to be <laughs> cognizant of this, and you're going to have some 
you know, in your mind, unfair outcomes. Uh, you know, uh, if the pitcher's alert and the hitter takes his mind off it for a second, this is what can happen. I mean, we, I was at a game, Mark Hanna, who's one of the smartest guys in baseball, went to Berkeley. Uh, he was like fixated on the the radar gun readings and the and the scoreboard and just forgot about the uh, pitch clock for a second. And, you know, the radar readings weren't working and he kept looking for it. And guess what? Strike three. He was out without a, mm. without a pitch thrown. So, uh, you know, they all have to adjust. There's going to be at bats like that. And you just, you know, you just got to deal with it. Um, you know, Anderson's one was particularly galling, I'm sure, uh, that he didn't have an opportunity. At least Cannot could say to himself, you know what? I, I messed up. You know, I, right, I, right. I forgot. Uh, I can understand why uh, Tim Anderson was upset, but can't blame it on the pitcher. This is the rule, and uh, yeah. got to play with the rules. This, these are the new rules. We had one in, in San Diego uh, with Manny Machado. He, 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 I think he kind of forgot the time and was kind of fixing his batting gloves. He looked up. He saw eight. He tried to call timeout at eight. Ron Copa didn't allow it, rung him up. Choice words were exchanged. He was ejected. The clarification came down that, Listen, you have to be alert at eight. If you want to call timeout, you got to get it off before you either need to be alert at eight and then call timeout, or you need to call it before the eight seconds comes some comes about. These guys are still going to be learning <laughs> these rules. Of, of course, Shohei Otani, first person in history to get a pitch violation and a, and a batter violation yeah. in the same he, game. He's the best. He can do it all. Uh, you know, they're all going to be rung up, whether you're Otani or – Machado, a superstar, you know, you're probably used to having a little more attention on you, having a little more time, not worrying about it. But the rule's the rule for everybody, no matter what, whether you make $300 million like Machado or you're about to make $500 million like Otani, everybody has to abide by the rules. And, uh, you know, I, I do think at some point there needs to be a little discretion based on yeah, the circumstances yeah. of the game. Maybe not the the star of the player, but the circumstances of the game. We don't want this happening in a playoff game or to end the playoff game for sure. And I hope there's some discretion at this point. Right now, I think everybody has to go strictly by the rules so the players can get used to it and so right. it's fair for everybody. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there there needs – if they're going to make a, a tweak to it, they need to let these, these current rules ride for at least the first three or four months so these guys – can get used to it. And then when the right. tweak happens, it'll be an, an easy, easy adjustment. Certainly something John and I will be watching the rest of this season as we will the rest of these teams. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Big Time Baseball. Thanks for listening. Uh, John Heyman, Tony Gwynn, make sure you catch us wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Also, be sure to turn on that auto download feature to get our episode as soon as they drop. Until next week, we'll holla. 